0: hey guys and welcome to a new episode of the digital micropreneur this is a podcast where i talk to entrepreneurs people from marketing advertising and branding and we learn from their stories and uh, today i have a very special guest uh, Satyen, on this uh, podcast and uh, while i was talking to him and in fact on this podcast we talk about entrepreneurs and i think this podcast is going to be something which which can be a podcast which is packed with four uh, companies. So, Satyen was just telling us that he has, this is his fourth company and he comes with, with such an amount of experience and is he is going to share his experience with us. So, welcome to the podcast, Satyen.
1: Hey, thank you, Abhijay.
0: Great, Satyen. So, why don't you tell our uh, listeners uh, a, a quick introduction about yourself. And when I say an introduction, I would always ask my guests to start from the beginning. So, probably from your childhood, your schooling, your colleges. And uh, if you can add masala into it, like the specific Bollywood masala, so that feel free to add that also while we listen to your journey here.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, well, it's, it's I'm old, so it could be a long story. <laughs> so let's get, uh, talk about the highlights. I'm a Bombay boy, when Bombay was still called Bombay, grew mm-hmm. up there. Uh, learned how to code in eighth standard. Got very lucky at a summer course at Nehru uh, Science Center. I saw a brochure in my school and I took a bus with another friend, Sachin. And we went and we started learning basic and that effectively changed my whole life. Mm. Um, Coded from 8th grade uh, and 10th grade in ICSC, I took computer science and I was India number two. I made a couple of games, Pac-Man as well as an educational game. Which I guess if I had kept making that game today with all the flurry around EdTech, mm. I'd probably be a billionaire with uh, an EdTech company. Mm. Uh, so, hey, I, I was an early adopter. This was 1989. Wow. Um, I studied uh, in Bombay for college. A funny story, I tried to go to the US for my undergrad in 1991. And the college that accepted me and actually gave me a scholarship did not get my facts confirming I was coming. Uh, So one of the strange things in life where the facts didn't go through and by the time I found out it was too late but it was also a lucky event because that was the summer again that uh, Manmohan Singh as our finance minister devalued the rupee from 10 rupees to 30 odd rupees. So what was already unaffordable for me because I come from a simple middle class background at 10 rupees uh, to the dollar Mm. had become three times more unaffordable. Uh, So I got lucky because if I'd been sitting in the U.S. and that had happened, I would be in deep trouble, Mm -hmm. Uh, probably become one of those illegal immigrants there. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, you know, life has a way to uh, make it work. And I studied in Bombay in computer science, did my undergrad, and I was the first from my college to ever get into Stanford University in the computer science program. And Stanford is where I've learned computer science, entrepreneurship, user-centered design thinking. All of these skills are things I still use today uh, in all of my startups. And I've done four before, as you said, and I'm on my fifth one right now. Wow. The other very interesting thing I picked up while I was at school there is I had to go for my internship to Apple, the head, uh, the main campus, mm. which is about 20 minutes away from the Stanford campus. And for everything Silicon Valley has working for it, it doesn't have a great public transport system. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I got the internship, which was very prestigious. And then I'm like, how am I going to go there? But it's mm-hmm. America, right? So I went up to the bank and I said, I need to buy a car and I need a loan. And I've been in the country for maybe five, six months. Mm-hmm. And they gave me literally, Abhishek, a single page form to fill. <laughs> I filled it out. Like, you know, you're coming from India. You're like, first, no yeah. loan will Right. And then second, it must be so many things they'll ask. So a single page form. They said, Okay, you can buy a car up to ten thousand wow. dollars. I said, What? <laughs> so I went and bought a super fun sports car because I'm a kid and I've always loved cars and that actually started my love for for driving as well. Mm. Uh, because those hills around Stanford are amazing to drive at. So that was my stress relief. So I bought a used Toyota two-seater sports car, which I love to till to date today. Wow. Um, yeah, so I worked at Apple, which was a very defining uh, learning experience of how to be obsessed with the customer
0: mm.
1: at all points of the journey. Mm. And I don't think most companies come close to that level of obsession that Apple had right. in 96 also. when Steve Jobs hadn't even come back. Mm -hmm. So it's something I keep remembering, saying how Mm -hmm. can you be that obsessed and how can business principles not make you feel you should compromise? Mm -hmm. Um, After that, i worked at a couple more companies, some famous ones, SGI, Frog Design, and then started my first company in 99 in the day of the first dot-com bubble. Mm -hmm. It was a sensible software company. Mm -hmm. I raised money from SoftBank Venture Capital at that point, um, it was a learning experience. I made many mistakes and we sold the company in 2002. Mm-hmm. Um, I started a couple more smaller companies bootstrapped in 2002 and 2004, mm-hmm. but they really were more to help me learn my skills on business process, product thinking, design thinking. Um, and sometimes, you know, when you do it in a bootstrap process, you don't have some crazy ambitions. My first company was 80 people at its peak and we had raised $17 million. Mm. It was, it had become too big too soon and I was not the right CEO to handle it. Mm. Uh, the bootstrap ones helped me learn the value of how to, how to build relationships, quality products, and they actually made me more money. Mm. Uh, mm. Funnily enough, one day I woke up and said, life's too short. Mm. Uh, Bay Area life is too too beautiful. Let mm. me create some challenge and excitement mm. and make my life a little bit more stressful and difficult. <laughs> uh, so packed my bags and came to India back home. Mm. Always had friends and family here that I was close to. Mm. Um, so in India, I started poking around what to build and I was looking at three segments. Mm. And one of them was digital payments because I'd seen the birth of PayPal from the early days. Right so that's led to the idea around citrus pay, mm-hmm. and uh, Citrus pay originally was going to be a fast checkout only system software only that we wanted to build, and then we added up a lot more layers such as uh, wallet, etc later. Uh, the citrus pay journey was five years two thousand well technically, the idea was two thousand and ten company started two thousand and eleven when I hired our first person mm-hmm. uh, two thousand and sixteen is when we sold it at that point we were had twenty million customers who had processed payments via us, fifteen thousand oh. merchants, hmm. and two and a half billion dollars had in payment volume had gone through. Hmm. So very very fun when um, we sold it to around three hundred people. So it was an interesting journey to say the least. Funded by Sequoia, funded by Bnext hmm. and a few others. Um, but, you know, stay true, Abhishek, to the principles of being in business and maybe my bootstrap businesses helped there. Mm. Did not overfund and overcapitalize, raised about 20 million odd. Mm. And uh, that made the sale of the company at 130 million very positive for everybody. So right. I enjoy operating that way. Mm. over like overraising capital, even if the world is going nuts. Crazy,
0: right, right. Yeah.
1: So that leads to Cube. Yeah. Cube is a work of heart. I realized when I was in middle-class uh, levels and earning my own income, I also realized when I sold Citrus that nobody helps helps the people who are working hard in how to invest their money properly.
0: Mm-hmm. So we
1: want to be the customer-obsessed, ethical, high-quality investment platform for busy professionals who don't have time to do this full day on their own. Okay. Um, we think they're being ripped off by bank RMs, they're being ripped off by mutual fund guys, That you know, sometimes willingly, sometimes unknowingly, because everybody's not trained how to think about personal finance properly. Mm. And your money deserves more and it deserves more respect. Mm. So we're building Cube as that kind of mission. And it's funny because in the lockdown is Mm. when our customers started falling in love with us completely because it's all digital and because our quality focus has meant that their portfolios are beating the market really well even in March and April when the markets were really low. Mm-hmm. So we love it. Yeah? We are on it for, for as a company, probably my last one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't think that this will be the last one. If you have, if you have been, been bitten by the bug, you, you keep on coming back to it.
1: Well, we've been bitten by the bug five times, but also <laughs> last one, because I want to build this for, for the long term, And I might, the team I have is mm-hmm. incredible. And it's, it's, Team members who have signed up for the long-term mission. Right. So you know, when, when we think as startups, we often think um, very like five-year, ten-year horizon. But the great mm. companies of our times, right. like HDFC Bank, Amazon, etc., built over decades.
0: Right. Right.
1: So I'm sure Jeff Bezos, on his first year, didn't say, "Acha, 5 startups startups right? He said, "Amazon ko bada banayenge. Right.
0: Right.
1: So, I think we need to have that level of obsession over long-term thinking also now great great amazing story
0: satyen and i think uh, this is one of one of those few podcasts where i will have a lot of questions so i will i will keep on adding and i'll try to extract as much wisdom as i could while i'm talking to you so coming to Please my do. coming to my next question, satyen is uh, if you have to explain and uh, probably i mean i'll give you a choice since you have uh, you have already uh, exited from four businesses if you have to explain your current business to an 8 year old in just 30 words, how will you explain this to him?
1: Ah. Cube helps you make more money from your money so that you have fi- freedom to do whatever you want in your life. That's it.
0: Yeah, I think this, this, is, this, this simplifies. And, and what about Citrus Pay?
1: <laughs> citrus Pay lets you pay for everything online when you go shopping.
0: Yeah, this, this, both these answers are, are a very simple if for for anybody to understand. So uh, Satyan, since you spoke about uh, your journey and you know getting into entrepreneurship, do you remember? Uh, like you you already told me that you you know you started building games and probably that was something which you enjoyed uh, doing. So nobody uh, nobody dreams of of becoming an entrepreneur from when they are small kids. So what was your dream? What you wanted to do? And do you remember that last accident or incident? which pushed you towards entrepreneur. Then, then you said that, you know, this is the day when I decided I want to start my own company. Do you remember that incident yeah. as well?
1: Yeah. So Abhishek, it's funny. I actually was an anti-entrepreneur. Okay. My father mm-hmm. is a businessman and mm-hmm. I'd seen and him go through so many stresses running a business in India, right? He mm-hmm. ran a factory mm-hmm. and I swore to myself, I'm never starting a business. <laughs> That's why I love programming. I said, if I program well and I go to the U.S., I'll get paid in a nice dollar salary. Mm. I want to live in a nice, simple house and, and not have any stress. Mm. So this was my oath to myself. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so what changed it? Well, one, I went to this crazy place called Stanford where becoming an entrepreneur is casual discussion as if karna hai hai, kabhi, kabhi. Mm. So there's my classmates, question. yeah, my classmates were Sergey and uh, Larry Page oh. of Google. Wow. And, you know, they didn't say when we were chatting and they were chatting about Google, they didn't say we want to start a company. They said we want to solve a problem. Mm. Right? And that's, that's, I think, the DNA that, that started sinking into me saying there's so many problems in the world. How do you solve it? Right. And the one easy way, especially if you're in technology, is to buy becoming an entrepreneur. Mm. Because money is available, talent is available, tech stacks are available. Mm. So why not use this amazing opportunity to solve it? Mm. On a more practical basis, (laughs) I I don't think I've revealed this story before. Mm. When I was starting my first job, I got married, right? In the break between graduation and the first job. Mm. And I wrote to my boss, uh, who was going to be my boss, from India saying, hey, I just decided to get married. Can I delay my start date by two or three weeks?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she said, no. Mm-hmm. I said, what the hell, man? I just got married. It's a big event in my life. I want to go travel with my new wife for a bit and and, and before we settle into a new life. Right. And that was all those practical moments. I said, why am I giving somebody else control to tell me what I can do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was yeah. when I said, no, this job market will not work out well for somebody mm. like me. <laughs> mm.
0: So just after your marriage, you decided you will, you will start your own? Uh, no,
1: I think it became the seed of discontent mm. of mm. saying, why yeah, can somebody else tell me for big things? Mm. But it took me still two and a half, three years to start mm. my first company. Wow. And that's okay. You need the training yeah. a yes. little bit. Yes great Amazing. and as i said even the first company i don't think i was ready and i really really didn't do a great job for the first three years when i ran that so mm-hmm. i needed longer training clearly
0: okay. great, great. so so satin when you uh, when you uh, started your first company and as you said that you know it is always about a lot of learning and i feel as an entrepreneur it's it's not just about making money or or solving a problem. I think for me, the, the personal passion or something which comes is you also develop as a human being, like you learn so many things once you start a business. So when you started your first business, uh, how, how was the vibe around like were people supportive, they're helping you and what was what, what was that initial excitement and initial phase like?
1: Yeah, uh, great question. Yeah, So you learn both positive and negative things, right? Uh, I was in the heart of Silicon Valley, so very positive support from the external community on becoming an entrepreneur, money's available, people network, everybody wants to help you start off. I think the negative part of that is it makes you forget that every business needs to create value. So when money is available easily, people are excited with, with what's happening in the funding game, et cetera. People mm-hmm. forget that our job as entrepreneurs is to fix a problem and make money out of it. Mm-hmm. So I think the negative was that I got carried away by that. I lost sight of that, right? which mm-hmm. is bad because being a guju Banya businessman, I should never forget that it's about making money. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part which is negative is if it, all that kind of success comes too early, it goes to your head. You start seeing your name in the papers. Mm. You start uh, getting an ego saying I'm awesome before you really achieve something. Mm. And all of these we fall prey to, especially when we are younger. Mm. Um, And I think those are important things to remember saying, hey, until you actually achieve something, it doesn't matter. It's all noise.
0: Mm. Amazing. I think this 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 will help a lot of listeners. So, so then I la- I would like to add one more question to it. So uh, so in fact, a lot of questions, in fact, a lot of webinars and podcasts, which I do people ask about what is that silver bullet to get funding in and I think you you clearly mentioned it here that getting money does is not going to solve your problem. It, it is in fact going to give you even bigger problems, but it is about how you manage that money and how you actually do not do not move away from your core purpose or
1: from your core goal, that's, that's going to help you out. Right. No, look, I mean, we come from different circumstances. So sometimes you do need money to start a company and start an idea, right? There's no question about it. You also need money at later stages to grow the idea much faster and market it. So right. I'm not against raising money. I think it's a question of what's the right amount of money at the right stage. Hmm. So I'll give you two examples, right? So if is there a way you can prove out your product, without raising money by doing simple paper prototypes, testing mm-hmm. it out, you know, now there are so many simple no code tools to build a, even a simple app. Right. That doesn't take effort to keep iterating in your spare time and launching it live to let real users test it out. Mm-hmm. Many people just start on a business plan and say, let me go for funding. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's crazy, why? there's clearly so much you can do before you can go for funding. And that makes the chance of getting funding so much better because when people see traction and I'm an angel investor as well. So I've uh, invested in, I don't know how many, a few dozen companies. Mm. Uh, I look for simple signals saying the founder knows what they're doing at the early level and Mm. they're willing to put their time and effort into it. Right. Mm. If you just come because you know, there's money available, that's the biggest turnoff to say no quickly um second is, yeah, there are also people who are like who have money, and they're like, "Well, I can get funding from outside. That doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in me, right? like you already have money, you're driving in a nice car, you have a nice house. Mm. If you don't believe in yourself to at least yeah. start the business out mm. and mm. fund yourself till there's proof that it's successful and now you can be ready to scale up so you need money, then why should I put my money in you?
0: right right right. So, in fact i was talking to a vc a uh, few few weeks back for webinar and this is what he said that you abhishek you won't believe the kind of messages which i get on linkedin is, is people don't say hi hello they just say please give me money please give me money <laughs> that's that's the problem which he was also facing so so uh, uh, Satir, what what before we get when before we deep dive into the conversation a lot of people who are listening here uh, and uh, you have been a, a veteran entrepreneur a lot of people just look only at the glamorous part or the money part or you know ego or seeing yourself in news everywhere uh, what are what are your top Five myths which you would like to bust right away, before we deep dive into into the deeper conversation that people who who think it's it's all uh, full of glamour can can save their time by not listening. I'd right? like to talk deeper about that as well.
1: Okay, I don't know if I have top five because I'm by nature an optimist, so I don't think too much about all the negative. Top negatives. three. Top three. Sure. So number one, it's it's not about what you make of your own ego and personality. It's about solving a problem. Hmm. You have to remember that. Number two, when you start the journey, very soon you'll have team members and you have a moral responsibility to set the right culture and do right by them. And this means on day one, the way you start operating the company is very critical uh, because those value systems are what becomes the culture of the company. So at Cube, for example, we have a three I value system, integrity, intelligence, intensity. Mm-hmm. And we always say, are we living up to that? Integrity means no bullshit, no doing anything to the customer we wouldn't want to do for with our own money. Mm-hmm. No politics allowed, no backstabbing, no gossiping allowed. Mm-hmm. Um Radical transparency, right? Everything is spoken about openly. If somebody comes to me with a problem with another person, I'm like, okay, get everybody in the room and let's talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. That's, there's no patience. Mm-hmm. Um you know, those are examples of kind of uh, values that I care about that we wanted to put in CUBE and everybody in CUBE now has that. Mm-hmm. We are just talking about it last week saying, in the four years CUBE's been on, we've not mm-hmm. had a single interpersonal issue to date. And we are so lucky because then coming to work is such a joy because mm. it's only about the challenge ahead, right? Mm. Uh, it's not about internal nonsense going on. And the third myth I would say is uh, it's, it's a super hard journey. Mm. It's a super hard journey when you're not doing well. It's a super hard journey when you're doing well. Mm. So you have to be committed and you have to have a certain mentality. What do I mean by not doing well? Everybody knows, right? When business doesn't do well, why it right. becomes stressful. Mm. The funny thing in technology is it's not a lifestyle business. So when it's doing well, also it's super stressful because you're always growing really faster than you are comfortable. Mm. And then there's more money money needed or more money coming to coming to you on its own when you're doing well. Mm. You have to balance all of that versus everything internally. Mm. More more people nowadays are being affected by success than by mm. failure mm.
0: and that's mm. a really
1: sad reality when you're winning the game why are you mm. so stressed out and why is life so complicated
0: right right amazing uh okay. so, satin since you spoke about culture of of a company if you could share some tips with our listeners as well as me as well is is how do you build that culture so 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 my question here is is, is a classical uh Cart and horse question, do uh, people uh, build the culture or does, or does the culture build the people in your team? So whom do you choose for to create a better culture or your culture automatically creates those, those kind of better people in the team?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. And I think, you know, obviously you need to solve a business problem, make money, etc. But mm. this is the part that's most ignored. So mm-hmm. I had to learn it the hard way, right? Um, mm-hmm. That how important culture is. And because culture very superficially is thought of as, is it a fun company to work at? What are the benefits, right? Do they hang out on Fridays and open beer? Mm-hmm. That's that's not relevant, right? That's not mm-hmm. what you focus on when your week is going on. Mm-hmm. And you're not thinking, "Acha, Friday beer, beer, so it's all good, right? Mm-hmm. Culture is what is every day. So I would say it starts with the founding team saying, this is what we believe in as a high value system. And there's no one answer that's right. Some companies Mm. believe in hustle. Some don't like to create too much stress. Mm. Pick pick what works for you. Mm. Then start by checking on it at every interview stage Mm. to make sure that you are interviewing the right kind of people. Mm. And third, the hardest part is enforcing it regularly in the company and reminding people when they contradict the culture, appreciating people when they uh, follow those cultural guidelines and saying, I appreciate this person for showing integrity. Mm. I appreciate this person for showing intelligence in how they handle the problem. Mm. Reusing the words again and again that were part of your culture are, I think, very important Mm. because they emphasize that this is how you make all your decisions at a first principle level. Sure, sure. I, I would just... highly encourage, and uh, every founding team should sit down and, and early on. You know, it's easy to say, "Huh, we'll run an honest company." But let's be really mm. honest, in, in India, many mm. many founders think doing jugad is completely fine, mm. and write it down on paper and say we are going to be a jugadi company. Mm. Okay, and define what is going to be jugad Are we going to bribe people if it means winning an account? Mm. Are we going to are we going to make team members compete for position? So that there's an element of competitive intensity. Talk Mm. about all of that, right? Mm.
0: And these things should be done before you start everything else. I mean, they should be the core of of, of when you start the culture
1: here. It should be your first test whether you and your Mm. co-founders get along.
0: (laughs) If you don't get
1: along and have the same culture, why are you starting Mm. a company with them? Again, I speak with the mistakes I've made, right? Where I said, Going by resume, this person looks like a good early hire <laughs> yeah, and yeah. by references, but you didn't check whether you want to work with them for the next five, 10 years.
0: Right. I think we all have been through through those resume, uh, people who write good resumes and people who are actually good at work
1: completely yeah. agree with you. Satya. No, no, I'm saying actually Abhishek something different. They might hmm. be, actually be good at their work also. Mm, but mm. you might not want to work with them in their style ah
0: understood so that that Big chemistry has to huh? be there between, between. Exactly. exactly understood understood so amazing conversations happening with satyen guys those listeners podcast keep listening and i'll try to extract as much wisdom as i could in the next few minutes from satyen so so satyen uh, uh you you have been into business and you have seen both the cultures india as well as us so my first question is to you uh, what what differences do you see? And and when I say differences, a uh, lot of people talk about that, you know, uh, US has a better culture, India has too much of politics, but I would, if you could share some of, of positive points also from, from Indian perspective, what are the things which you see, which is not, which you have not seen in your startups or in your teams in US, but you see in India?
1: Yeah. Um, so I think the the realities in tech startup world are merging between these different geographies. Mm. Um, I would say India's biggest benefit is the fact that there are so many more problems to solve. Uh, okay. um, and that by itself, again, if the root root the core purpose of entrepreneurship is to solve a real problem, mm. India has way more problems mm. right now. It has a much larger population. You can segment that population in different ways to solve problems for each slice of the population. Um, the problems are between ed tech to healthcare, to finance, to civic uh, work that is needed. It's to energy and entertainment. It's crazy. So mm. I think India's the best positioned open ecosystem, which can actually build startups in every flavor to solve multiple problems. Mm. Um, so. I actually, and, and it's one of the big reasons why I moved to India, right? I said the, the, the overall market size and the opportunity is much bigger there. In mm-hmm. Silicon Valley, sometimes it was, there's a fixation to solve problems that are, I thought at least, inconsequential to, to the course that humanity needs to be on.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Understood, understood. So, so who, who are those people whom, whom you admire uh, their business Expertise now now these people can be in tech, or these people can be in some other women as well. Who are those people who sure. you look up to as well?
1: Sure. so three people come to mind, right? Hmm. One is the duo Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger. Nowadays hmm. they are not having a great run, but
0: hmm. you know
1: what they did was they said, "This is what we do well," and right. they spent a lot of time just every day just reading, because hmm. they said hmm. that's the input to the engine we are building, which is our brain. To process and say, what should we put our money in? Mm. I think, what a great life, right? When you think Mm. that if you have more than $50 billion, Mm. there's so many ambitious things you could do. You could Mm. set up factories and buy companies and Mm. do all of that stuff. Mm. They said, no, yeah, Rose, I like to sit and read.
0: 16 hours. Yeah, what a
1: beautiful way to think of life, right? And and they're both in their 90s and it's crazy how sharp their brains are because Mm. of that. Right. This figured out again, we talked, spoke about culture in a way, this is culture. They said, my culture is knowledge and then finding the best people.
0: I remember um, reading somewhere about, Bill. Uh, I mean, uh, hmm. about Warren Buffett that he says that I don't, I, I will only stick to my circle of competence. So I don't go, yes. I don't invest in things which I don't understand, but I'll stick to that. I think that's, that's again, uh, uh, one of the core secrets of, of his success as as well.
1: Exactly, exactly. He says, You only get a few hits in life of a great shot. Just wait for that, right? Let the others go by. Don't feel like FOMO saying, oh, no, I should have (laughs) done that and this. And that's okay. That gives you peace of mind also. We all suffer through FOMO, especially with the way the US market is doing right now. I should have invested in Tesla. I should have invested Mm. in Apple. It's okay. Mm. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other people I mean I think obvious, the obvious heroes nowadays are somebody like an Elon Musk who mm. basically can do whatever he decides he wants to do mm. <laughs> what an mm. amazing ability right mm. Mm. I want to go to space okay I can go to space mm. I, I, I want to solve for non-polluting vehicle transportation okay I can do that
0: right. let's
1: build a tunnel to get people around faster in cities okay done mm. so that, that's another level of intelligence that I can't even understand how right so that's amazing um, yeah and I think uh, I think there's many many people around who are just doing fabulous jobs and they are being supported and mm. and everybody has a place in the ecosystem as long as you're doing it honorably and honestly right. So right. it's all good it's all good man
0: So then this is is a fan question coming from from me since you have studied with with Google founders how were they in college? This is what I would like to know and I think everybody who's listening to this podcast would like to know Mm. from somebody who who knew them in in the same batch.
1: So Larry Page and I started in the same group under the same advisor in a group of eight. Mm. I know I've I've seen him I would say more than I have seen Sergey. Sergey was a senior by year even though it Uh. was all a mixed batch. Mm. You know I mean, I think the same thing that led to their success was what seemed obvious in hindsight.
0: Mm. Very
1: sincere, very intelligent, asking mm. hard questions, not looking mm. for shortcuts, mm. right? And uh, they knew that they were born with an opportunity to make a big change in the world and they didn't, mm. they didn't want to miss out on it.
0: Mm.
1: I had like a couple of other people also who are very famous, the founder of eGroups, Mm. Who now is building some multiple robotics companies right he 's sold a few companies to Google already. Mm. those are different kind of guys. Scott Hassan is his name if you want to google him mm. they sit They sit away from the media mm. light mm. but mm. doing amazing work mm. um, so it's it 's all these amazing people who are around, so you wow. can admire all of them
0: wow. wow and and you which is your favorite Book on and not, not, not just on entrepreneurship, so it could be fiction, non fiction. What are the top five books which you would like to recommend to our listeners? Mm.
1: So, I have quite a few. Um, please, please I'd go uh, if you want to add 50, and
0: will be more than happy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to struggle to recollect from top on the top of my head well, which ones I like the best. So I like to mix it up with the books, which are nonfiction, as well as fun, happy books to just make me remember that it's, it's more than just about working. Mm. Um, so in the fun, happy category, there's everything from P.G. Woodhouse to mm. Calvin and Hobbes to, mm. uh, you know, even Tom Robbins. Mm. And in the work related books, it depends on the context of what we are reading, but some of the biographies are very interesting. Uh, Charlie's almanac is very interesting for Charlie Munger. I can never mm. pronounce that word almanac.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> um, you know, same way uh, the Jobs biography, the Elon Musk biographies are very interesting. Um, otherwise, tactical books are many. Uh, there are mm. many books out there; It doesn't stop ever. Right. So, right now we were discussing how to do pricing and marketing. So, I was reading Dan Ariely's book on predictably irrational. Mm-hmm. Very interesting on how human beings don't think rationally at all, but you can predict how irra- which direction they'll think in irrationally. Right. So that was an interesting book. Um, yeah, this is a huge bunch. I'm
0: so so guys, up. those who are listening to this podcast, I'll make sure that I'll get an email from Satine in, in probably next few weeks in which he can share all the books in which he recommends.
1: Perfect, <laughs> perfect. I highly recommend the four hour work week to yeah, think about Tim Ferriss, how to structure your thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's very important. Even though obviously no entrepreneur I know works four hours a week. Yeah. But still. <laughs> I think this is a book,
0: which I, which I try to read at least every time. I mean, every once a year and every time I go back to it, there is something new, which, which I try to implement. So, yeah. very cool. So, so, uh, Satine, now we have spoken about, uh, all the brighter side of entrepreneurship. Uh, I also wanted to talk about uh, some of the demerits, which include stress, depression, which you, which you spoke about that, you know. Uh, it, it's not just that when you're not doing well, you, you should be scared, but also when you are not doing well or when, when you are growing too fast, that can also lead to a lot of stress. So two quick questions is, one is uh, how do you cope up with, with this kind of stress and depression? And second is, if you want to advise a few things to uh, new entrepreneurs, what what do you tell them what, what they should do to avoid? I mean, there's no way in which you can avoid stress, but how to cope up with and how to manage your sanity while you are uh, at, at a startup and working on entrepreneurship.
1: So a few rules, right? One is what I'd already spoken. Establish a culture upfront and enforce it, right? Enforce it with discipline. Every time you slip up, uh, especially when it comes to team members ask what part of your culture did not detect it early on and if it needs to be changed. Mm. So we've had that one or two slip ups in, in, in the past where we got greedy for somebody's resume and we it clearly was not a cultural fit mm. and inevitably it comes back to bite you. Mm. Uh, for the core of your two questions I think the, the answer is the same Abhishek which is At the end of the day, if it's a stressful day, Mm. just ask why you're doing it. And Mm. realistically, most of what all of us are doing doesn't matter in that bigger sense. Right. right? right. If you just keep yourself in perspective Mm. and say, big deal, Mm. it didn't work, so what? Mm. It's okay. This Mm. person didn't work out, so what? This is is a hard-con decision to make, so what? But it's not a hard Decision to make in the larger perspective of everything that's happening in the world. Mm. Um, The other part is a lot of stress is created by time pressure. And there are many, many tools out there on figuring out how to be more effective with your time. Mm. And as long as you remember, you have the same hours in the day that, you know, world leaders have. And people, CEOs running, large multi-billion corporations have. Mm-hmm. then you realize that it's, it's in your control to decide what you're prioritizing and what you're working on. Everybody has the same working hours every day. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't flatter yourself saying I'm so busy and there's so much to do when you're running a five-person company. Mm-hmm. It, you, you must figure it out. Mm -hmm.
0: it's your inability that you're not able to manage the time.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Like any other skill, learn how to manage your time. Right.
0: And I think that's again a very important skill, which which every entrepreneur should learn because you can't do everything. So how to delegate and when to let it go also, also makes a very big difference.
1: And a lot of things are frankly just not worth doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So don't do them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Amazing conversations happening with Sateen guys and uh, uh, so as, as we move towards the, the uh, tail end of, of our podcast, uh, few quick uh, questions for you, Sateen. So uh, again, you have answered a lot of questions, but again, top three qualities which you think every entrepreneur must possess and in fact, a lot of people who want to get into entrepreneurship, what are those qualities which, which they must have to, to build a successful career?
1: So irrational optimism, hmm. a sense of purpose, saying clarity on why they're doing what they're doing, hmm. and third is I think uh, constant uh, pride in what you're doing, balanced with humility. There's that's a contradiction in itself, right? If you're not proud of what you're building, it's not fun. Hmm. But you need to be humble, saying it can always be better.
0: So, so uh, since you have worked. Uh, in such a long journey i'm sure you must have met a lot of mentors uh, who have helped you in shaping up your career who have helped you in, in in defining where you are currently so do you remember any of those advices learnings which you received early in your career and you still remember them you still use them or maybe any incident which you'd like to share with us
1: so I haven't had any formal mentors per se, but I remember many, many people who whose incidental advice really mm. shaped how I think about everything. Mm. So it started with my parents where it was always about, always about being honest and doing do, working really hard. Mm. There was no question of cheating or anything that was introduced in, in our world and nor was it ever encouraged even though we were supposed to do really well in school. Mm. So I think it, that's, that's one of the most fundamental things mm. but apart from that you know it was people who opened doors when they didn't have to to help out. Mm. those are the ones you are the most grateful for right so whether it was a professor who gave you a senior your project where even when they didn't know whether you had the skills to execute and supported you mm. um, somebody else who just gave you a little nudge and said why don't you think about it as opposed to imposing the advice mm. like I remember a cousin of mine who went to MIT one day mm. we were at some family wedding in India. And we were talking about the weather. It was really pleasant. And he said, you know, some, for somebody like you, MIT might not be a great fit because mm. you're more of a general thinker. Mm. And if you like this kind of cool weather, why don't you think about Stanford? And it sat in my head for four years before I even applied. Wow. Mm. So, so little, little memories of that mm. sort, I think, are important to, you know, Steve Jobs has very famously said, connect the dots right. of right. your life. Mm. Uh, and who knows, right? If... I I mean, I went to work at Apple because I admired it, but I'd never owned a Mac before that, Mm -hmm. while I was at school. Mm -hmm. And I went because I didn't want to, I mean, obviously, the Steve Jobs Mm -hmm. aura was there. Mm -hmm. um, But it was also close to campus. Mm -hmm. Now the internship offers were from Microsoft. So for three months, I was like, I don't want to move cities. Mm -hmm. I didn't know enough about the cultural differences between Microsoft and Apple in at that time to make a choice based on that, right? Because right. sitting in India, you so, only had a PC. Yeah. You didn't have Macs <laughs> in the early 90s. Right, right. right. Uh, so some things are luck, some, things, some people help you out. And mm-hmm. that's that's always a good combination.
0: Right. So Satyen, one more question which I have uh, for you is is uh, when somebody is, is doing a job, you meet a lot of mentors, you meet a lot of seniors who teach you, your bosses. But an entrepreneurship is, is a very, very lonely journey. I mean, you think you are, you are so busy with your things, you hardly get time to meet new people or somebody who can teach you because if you're leading a team, they are, they are expecting you to teach them ra- rather than the other way around. So how, how, how do you think mentors or entrepreneurs should find mentors or they should, you know, connect with people to learn from them as well?
1: Um, it's a good question. I don't have a simple answer for it. I think there's always a network available, right? If you seek out, there are people who will be available as long as you are respectful of their time. Mm -hmm. Um, You follow the format in which they want to be connected. Mm -hmm. Um, There are also many peer groups. There are many countless WhatsApp and Telegram groups for entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. where you can join and get advice. Mm -hmm. Most people Mm -hmm. like to help out if you're, again, a nice, reasonable person. Right. Um, the third source is once you start building the team. As long as you're constantly observing and saying, "Okay, what is a strength in the team member that I can learn from?"
0: Uh,
1: um, yes. You know, you could—they right. are your core people. They are there with you. Hmm. Why not just learn from them? Just because you're wearing the title of a CEO doesn't mean that you know everything and they know less. So
0: I think it's a very important piece of advice. And I think you—you you, uh, so somewhere I could see that. You know, when the student is ready, the guru will automatically appear. So it, mm. you don't always have to seek for for that formal guru to find.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Great. So, so, Satin, uh, my last two questions are both hypothetical questions. So if, you, if I give you a time machine and if you could go back in time at any point of time in your life, uh, which year, what time will you go? And if you want to make any changes, what changes would you make?
1: Um, I think I would go to 2010 and when I move back. Mm-hmm. And I think I would be more diligent in what I wanted to do in India mm-hmm. and who I wanted to do it with.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: think it's an important part of, again, in a startup, who you start the journey with because it's a long journey, not right. just in terms of years, but in terms of how much uh, each day matters. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a very, very important part of, of that plan. But right. apart from that, yeah, Abhishek, not much. Yeah. It's, I mean, mm. there have obviously been many, many, many misses, mm. and many mistakes as well. But mm. big deal, right? Everything right. can't be perfect. And so you will not uh, let like,
0: that facts come?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just, as I said, I'm by nature an optimist. So I look forward and I say, okay, what else think. is there that can be done? And, yeah. and the mistakes are mistakes to learn from, not to obsess over. Right.
0: And as they say, in Hindi, what happens is Mm-hmm. Great. So and and the last question to you, Satin, is if in the same time machine, if you could go back in the future, where will you go and where do you see yourself and your company? What what you'll be doing in the next few years?
1: Um, so I really hope we can spread the message of Cube much further and in a much broader way because as I said at the start, it's a work of passion. Mm-hmm. We genuinely believe everybody who works hard deserves to have financial freedom and not most people don't have it because they are not guided the right way, they don't do it. So I really hope we can create that kind of impact across millions of people, not just in India, but across the world. I think with that, I really want the team I have to grow successful, to become business owners inside Cube as we keep expanding business lines. And I really admire companies that have long term employees becoming leaders within the company i think that's that's a great way to to build a culture work with people you like and also create great financial success for your team members so i look ahead 20 years that would be a great outcome great and lineup. if we can change the lives of millions of people for the better that's amazing
0: sure saten I, I wish you all the best and i see i i hope to see a lot of uh, uh, Cube Mafia, how, how they had created PayPal Mafia coming from your company, a lot of new startups, a lot of new people who are coming and they, they changed the whole uh, domain of entrepreneurship in India. So uh, on this note, uh, I would like to thank you, Satine, for giving us your time and coming on this podcast. Uh, if, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, how can they reach
1: out to you? Um, so I'm on Twitter, S-A-T-Y underscore seven seven. Uh, that's a great way to just start engaging and then we can take it from there.
0: Great, great, Satine. Thanks a lot for coming on this podcast and sharing your amazing wisdom with us and uh, all those stories. I'm, I'm very sure list people who are listening to this podcast will learn a lot from this uh, conversation.
1: Thank you, Abhishek. Been a pleasure.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Sateen.